0: Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. I'd like you to open your Bible with me or turn it on to John chapter 2 and then look up here. It's taken us a while, but we're finally in chapter 2. If you're new here, we've been in a series on the book of John titled The Exalted Christ. And uh, we're so excited to be studying this wonderful book that talks about King Jesus, our Savior. And, um, you know, I was reading in um, one of my favorite books. It's a journal of Andrew Bonner. And he, he he said this. He said, each plant needs a whole sun. And each of us need a whole Savior. How many know we need a whole Savior? We need all of Jesus. How many would say amen? And that's what excites me so much about the book of John. Because it is presenting an exalted Christ. An amazing, incredible Christ. And so far we learned in John chapter 1... There's this unfolding of the amazing divine qualities of who Christ is. It talked about the fact that Christ is the eternal word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And then it goes on to say that God was made flesh. Hallelujah. Jesus was God made flesh. And then also John chapter 1 highlights. You know I'm getting a little kickback here. Uh, John chapter 1 highlights that Jesus And Jesus only is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And now today as we move into John chapter 2, we're going to see another facet of of the the exalted Christ. But today there's going to be a shift from who he is to what he values. We're shifting from who Christ is to what Christ values. Values. In fact, the entire chapter is about that. We'll be talking about this next week also. And uh, everyone has a value system. Everyone. And we are, our lives are shaped by our value system. Our behaviors are impacted. If you value A, that's what you invest in. Pursue, that's what you put your energy. If you value something else, that's what you, whatever you value. The Bible says, for example, your heart is wherever your treasure is. You see? But do you ever think about God's value system? Because how many know God has a value system? And so Jesus begins to reveal his value system. And I want to say this up front. When you read the Bible, when you hear a message, part of what we should be doing is saying, God, I am here to have you shape my value system. How many want to be your value system shaped by the word of God? Could I see your hands? And and I want to encourage you and challenge you because maybe when you read the Bible, you don't read it like that, but that is the way to read the Bible. You see? When the Bible says whom the son sets free is free indeed, it's talking about meeting the exalted Christ, but allowing the exalted Christ in and allowing him to reshape and redefine all of who you are. You see, he is King Jesus. He is the sovereign authority of the universe. You see, look, even in the end, the Bible says, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now some on that day will be forced because of the manifestation of his authority and power. Some on that day will be forced to bow. Others would have been bowing since since Sundays just like this where we said, I surrender all to you. Hallelujah. Let's get there early, amen. We want to surrender early. And so I want to read this passage of scripture and then we're going to um, pray And get right to this. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, I love this passage, I love these couple verses. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. And then Jesus says to his mom... Woman, why do you involve me? Okay, my hour has not yet come. And then, this is the best, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Like, how how many know even with God, moms have clout? (laughs) That's clout right there. She's talking to the king of glory, the king of the universe. She says, we got this problem, take care of it, son. And then she goes on her way. I love it. I love it. This is amazing. I do believe that God has a a special ear for the cry of a mother's heart. And this is a, a wonderful example of that. So let's keep going. It says, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. We'll just say 30. Jesus said to the servants... Fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had uh, come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved everyone the best till now. Hallelujah. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs. Everyone say signs. Was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. The title of the message today is the first sign, the first sign. And this is very important for for everyone here. If you're reading the book of John, I hope you'll read it with us. It is very important for you to understand the word sign in the book of John. So before we start to unpack this this, this passage, um, let me just say this. In the Gospels, there are three words that are used to describe uh, um, the, the miraculous works of God. Okay, three words. One word is miracle. Okay, now miracle, when the Bible says miracle, okay, uh, what it means is it denotes a manifestation of divine Power. So there was there were moments when someone was blind. Jesus, uh, let's say, touched them. Their eyes were opened. It was a miracle. It wasn't uh, uh, the result of something human. It was the result of something supernatural and divine. God chose to release His power onto a situation. That power was manifested on the earth, and a miracle took place. That's what miracle means. Wonder. When the Bible says wonder, wonder underscores the effect produced on those who witness the miracle, okay? So when the Bible says wonder, it's talking about the person who's watching the blind person get healed. And when the blind person is healed, the, the person who is watching the blind person gets healed. They, they're, going, they're like, wow, it's a wonder to them. Leave this up. Now, it's important for you to understand some translations, the King James especially, but some translations in the book of John, in, they have the word miracle. But in the Greek, the word is dunamis. It means power. Okay. Whenever you read in the book of John, if you read the word miracle, just know it doesn't mean that kind of miracle. Okay. It doesn't mean a manifestation of divine power. It's never used. The word dunamis is never used in the book of John. In fact, the word wonder is only used once or twice. Now, there's a third word, and the third word is sign. Okay. Now, a sign, and in the book of John, before Jesus uh, uh, rose from the dead, there were seven signs. This is the first of seven signs. The word sign sign is a miracle with a lesson attached to it. With an ethical end and purpose, they are valuable not so much for what they accomplish as for what they indicate of the grace and power of God. In other words, a sign was a miracle where God was teaching something about who he is, about his character. Today, the sign is teaching what he values. Today, he's teaching What's important to him. What he favors. And so as you go reading the the book of John, just know every time he does a miraculous work, it is a sign. And here's what I want to do. I know we prayed. But can I just pray one more time? Because we're praying like more than ever before, Lord, make us people of the word. But what does it mean to be a people of the word? What it means is that when we open the Bible, we open the Bible with a humility and with a hunger that says, God, change my value system and make it line up with yours. That's what we're saying. And I want to pray that today. I want to pray that God would give us a heart to really follow Jesus. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for this beautiful day. This beautiful service. Bless your word now. Teach us so that we can follow you. God, today you want to reshape and redefine our lives. You want to do that every single day that we open your word. You are the bread of life. Feed us, I pray. Thank you Lord, and uh, we ask for your grace, Lord, for the, next, for the remaining moments of our time together. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So we're going to look very quickly at five things that Jesus values, that God values. First of all, God values marriage. Everyone say marriage. Thank you for that amen. Amen. God values marriage. It says on the third day a wedding took place at Cana. Jesus' mother was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. It was a great thing to invite Jesus to the wedding. And what I want to point out to you is if you go all the way to Genesis chapter 1. Okay, let's listen, lock in. You go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 begins with the words that say, in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it goes on to unfold the creation uh, 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 of the whole universe, the stars, the sun, the moon, the water, land, mountains, the fish, the birds of the air, plants, uh, animals, all of it. God creates all of it. And then he culminates his great work of creation by making a man and a woman, Adam and Eve. And then immediately... The two become one flesh. And the agenda of God, the kingdom of God begins to unfold. The two become one. Now you go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 begins with in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And as, as it, after it finishes explaining the revelation of who God is, the first place that you find the Lord is at a wedding. And you know why? It's because God values marriage. It's because a, a, a marriage, a family, is the building block of the kingdom of God. God is the one who created marriage. God is the one who defined marriage. Very, very important thing for us to understand. He defined marriage, and we don't get to redefine marriage. Amen. He was invited. He was invited into this wedding. And I, I wanna I want to just walk through this very quickly, okay? It's important for us to understand that it is God loves family. He loves family, you see. And whenever Jesus is invited to a wedding, Jesus is not invited to every wedding. Not when you look at the stuff that goes on at the wedding. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. No, he didn't. Yes, I did. You see, you have to invite Jesus to the wedding. You have to invite Jesus to the marriage. You see, and whenever Jesus is invited to a wedding or to a marriage, here's what he does. He honors that wedding. He honors that marriage. He honors that home just like he did here. He honors it with his presence and with his power. So that whatever is lacking in the marriage, how many know it's great to have Jesus there. You invite Jesus in and whatever is lacking, you want some great marriage counseling, keep inviting Jesus in. Because whatever is lacking, all you got to do is turn to him and hallelujah, he can do more than we could ever ask or think. But you got to invite him in. You have to invite Jesus in. A lot of people, couples even, they invite Jesus into their heart, but they don't invite Jesus into their marriage. The way you invite Jesus into your marriage is that you pray together. You seek the Lord together. You, look, look at what it says in the book of Ephesians quickly here. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Holy. Marriage is a holy thing. It's not a flippant thing, it's a holy thing. And it says, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. How many know Jesus is the word? And so what that means is that when a husband and wife get up like like a, 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 look, Chrissy, no one has a perfect marriage. No one. Okay? Because you have two imperfect people. All right? No one. But my wife reads the Bible in the morning. I read the Bible in the morning. Then we get together. We start talking. We'll have some coffee. Sometimes Chrissy will say, you know what the Lord showed me? Chrissy journals a lot. The Lord showed me this today. I'm like, wow, that's good. I think I'm going to steal that and use it for a sermon. <laughs> right? It's one. It's one. doesn't matter, right? <laughs> so so then, then we'll say, you know what? Let's pray. And we pray together. You see, and there's a washing that takes place. There's a washing. How many know it's hard to stay angry with people when you're praying with them? Right? Bless his father. Rawr, rawr. You, can't, you can't do it. You can't do that. Just pray. See, but when you invite Jesus in, powerful, powerful things happen. Now let me, let me just say one more thing about marriage. Because we have a lot of young people here. And, uh, and this culture is very powerful, all right? Let me say this. Just because you agree with God doesn't make you a bigot. Just because you agree with God and his word, it doesn't make you prejudiced. It doesn't make you mean and hateful. You know what it means? It means that you agree with God. All right? This is a free country. I love America. This is a free country, you know. And if uh, we're living in in a country that if a woman wants to marry a woman or a man wants to marry a man, they can. And that's their business. But you can't have Jesus in there. So if you don't want Jesus in there and that's what you want to do, that's okay. I don't hate you. I love you. I'll help you. You need food. You need help. I'll help you. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, you can't force me to to agree that that's what God designed. No, God said a husband and a wife. (laughs) Plain and simple. I didn't write the book. Jesus is the word. You see? So always no, don't let... Don't let the world put you on edge and make you feel like you're mean-spirited just because you don't agree. This is a free country. That's the beauty of of all of this is that, hey, everybody's got to follow their own value system, but here's what the Bible says. We'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And I just want to be lined up with the word when I get there. You see? So last quick thing, just as a, I'm saying this especially for the young people. Think about it this way. All right, so there was a thing one I remember came on the news a number of years ago, and uh, they had a, a little segment in one of the today shows in the morning. It said they, learned, they, they, they did a study, and they noticed that 11-year-old boys do better at school and in life in general when they have a dad who says to them, "Hey, sit up straight, man. You know, listen to the teacher. Hey, sit still. You know, how, how many brothers ever needed some of that sit still stuff from somebody? Can I see your hands? Of course we all do. Right? So they just said, they noticed that when a, when a young boy has that kind of presence in their life, they just do better. Okay? I think it makes common sense. And here's why. I'm a man. I'm not a woman. I don't know what it is to be a woman. So I could have a daughter. I could be a father to my daughters. Okay, I can play the role of a father, but I could never play the role of a mother because I don't know what it is to be a woman. Yeah. You see? And so uh, 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 the daughters learn things from their mother, but you know what, boys learn things from their fathers, and we need both to complement. How many would say amen? Yeah. Common sense. <clears throat> you can learn a lot of things, but you can't learn how to be a man from a woman. You see? Now, let me pause here because there are a lot of single moms here. All right? I'm going way too long on this point, but God says, I will be the husband to the fatherless. If you're a single mom here and you're serving God, just know King Jesus is right there helping you to shape that boy's life. But that's another issue. That's another issue. God is the one who defines marriage. And God, God, he honors marriage with his presence and power. He values marriage. And if you're struggling here, if you're going through battles, if you're you're having marital strife, the best advice I can give you is invite Jesus. Hallelujah. He's not only the king of glory, he is the prince of peace. He knows how to bring peace. He can speak peace to the storm. We'll probably get to that. You see? And so, amen. God values marriage. Secondly, God values prayer. This is how, kind of how you invite him. God values prayer. Notice, it says, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. She turns to the one who was able to do what no one else could do. You see? When she turned to Jesus, she didn't think he was going to call some place and say, hey, could you send over, you know, 12 cases of whatever? Shibli? You know? She didn't say that. She wasn't thinking that. She knew there was no time for that. What she was saying is, we need you to step in and do something because this couple is lacking. You see? Now, this this passage of scripture is inspired by God. And Jesus says, woman, why do you involve me? My hour is not yet come. And yet he allows himself to be influenced. It reminds me of the verse in another place that says, you have not because you ask not. The Bible says, knock. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find. That's what the Bible says. You see, ask and you shall receive. God values prayer. And some of us, what we need to do is we need to start praying. What we really need to do is to start praying. And if we just start praying, let me tell you something prayers get answers. Prayers get answers. The amazing thing about this particular miracle is that he took, ballpark, 180 gallons of water. And he turned 180 gallons of water into wine. Now listen, there's no wedding party that can drink 180 gallons of wine. That's a lot of wine. Why did he make so much wine? It's because he was trying to make a point back then and thousands of years later for today. That see, when you ask God for help, he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever ask or think. You see, his grace, his love, his mercy, his power is inexhaustible. It's inexhaustible. You see, your problem may not have a solution on earth, but it is easy for God. You see? And so stop looking on the earth. I don't know, it's time to look up to heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. And call upon the name of the Lord. God values prayer. God's kingdom is built on marriage. God's kingdom is built on prayer. You know, I have in my notes here Hudson Taylor was a rascal, and his mother prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And she thought she was praying for the salvation of her son. And what she didn't know is that she was actually praying for the salvation of millions of people in China who would give their heart to the Lord because God just got a hold of her son. You see, prayer is powerful. Sometimes we pray for A, and we don't even know what we're really praying for. And what God is really gonna do. Amen? This text is inviting us to become intercessors. That means, everyone say that means me. Yeah. Okay, some people say, well, I'm not really called to pray. Yes, you are. Everybody's called to pray. Okay, not everyone's called to sing. <laughs> Don't do it. I mean, you can sing to God alone. Because it says, make a joyful noise. See. But everyone is called to pray. Number 3, God values servants. Everyone say servants. Then he told them, now draw some out take it to the master of the banquet. They did so and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. Watch this. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. You see, remember, this miracle is a teaching. What is this miracle teaching us? It's teaching us that God not only honors marriage and prayer with his presence and power, but God honors servants with kingdom revelation. Amen. You see, if you want to know what's happening in the kingdom of God, start serving. The consumers, they might receive from God, but they don't know what's happening in the kingdom of God. The servants are the ones that get the revelation of what God is doing. Some people come and they just consume and consume and consume. You see? And after a while, they just get even tired. If you just eat, eat, and you just get stuffed. But see, how many know when you're working, and you're working for God, and, 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 and oh, look, when you go out one day, and you're working like crazy, and then you get home, and they serve a dish to you, right? Your wife serves a dish, and, and you go to eat, and you're like, it doesn't matter. It might lack salt. It might lack, my wife's food never lacks salt. But... on, help me Lord. <laughs> listen, you might lack salt, it might like this. You ever eat when you're hungry? You're like, this is the best meal I ever had in my life. You know why? Because you've been working. And so, listen, don't just be a consumer. Some people, you know why your life is flat? Your life is flat because you don't serve. You see? Because you're not, you're not really seeing the miracles. But when you serve, you know what I'm saying? When you're there, powerful things happen. They told me one of the servants prayed for a lady who had a swollen knee and the knee popped in and she started walking on. Then she started walking on praying for people. Now you might say, mm, I don't know about that. Of course you don't know about that. <laughs> servants know about it. Oh, yeah. Servants see water turn into wine, hallelujah. They've been watching God move in power from the beginning. (laughs) Hallelujah. There's something powerful about serving in the kingdom. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And I want to encourage you. Speaking, I'm telling you right now. The greatest lesson, some of the greatest lessons I've ever learned as a Christian have been while serving. Not while preaching. I mean, even though preaching is serving. But not being in the front, being in the back. You know, putting out the chairs, cleaning up, you know. Feeding people, you know. Doing all kinds of things. I, look, I don't, I don't say this to attract attention to myself. But, but you know, I, sometimes in second service I might run to the back and I, I, um, I have to use the bathroom. So I go wash my hands and then I, I take out the towel. First thing I ever did in the kingdom was clean bathrooms. And you know what? Even today, I just like wiping the bathroom down. You know why? And here's why. Because when I first gave my heart to the Lord and I was learning about great men of God, I heard a story of the great evangelist Charles Finney and Charles Finney led more people at his time he led more people to Christ the revivals that were that were led by Charles Finney were some of the most ama- amazing things that have ever happened in America they did a study hundreds of years after he died. The kindest city of, the, of America. And they said it was Rochester, New York. Reader's Digest wrote an article about this. And they said, they said, why is this city? It's because there was a revival that took place when Charles Finney came through that impacted that city for all of this time. That's what, what the conclusion was. So one day I heard he became the president of a, of a Bible school. And it was snowing one day. And he was an old man. It was snowing one day and one of the guys on staff looked out the window and he saw that that Charles Finney was was shoveling the front of the the front of the school. He was shoveling, they went, What are you doing? He says, Hey man, I, this is what I do. You know? And when I saw I hear that, once a servant, always a servant. May that be said of all of us. Amen. Once a servant, always a servant. Oh, help us, Jesus. Help us to serve very quickly, we are marching through here. Number four, God values joy. Everyone say joy. They serve the cheaper wine first. And the guy says, but you have served the best till now. You see, now in the Bible, in the New Testament, wine... Symbolizes joy. A lot of people try to use this passage of scripture to justify drinking. And let me tell you something, you're off. You see? Because this is not about drinking. This is about the fact that whatever this world offers you, what Jesus was saying is listen. I'm not here to steal joy. What I want to do is remove all of the counterfeits to joy. And I want, here, I want you to know that I'm here to give you the best joy, the best life. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. That was a forced amen. I, I maybe we're stepping on some stuff right now. But listen, the rabbis would say, no wine, no joy. You see? This passage is not talking This passage is not talking about wine. He could have used anything. What this passage is talking about is that in his presence is fullness of joy. This passage is talking about if you're here today and you're battling with depression, you know, you know it breaks my heart when I hear that a Christian says I need a drink. You don't need a drink. In the name of Jesus, you don't need a drink. Yeah. Hallelujah. Guess what we need? We need joy unspeakable and full of glory. We need to come boldly into the throne room of grace. We need to rush into the presence of God. God can give you joy upon joy upon joy. There's a joy that you find with Jesus that you won't find any place else. You see? And so God values joy. Some people try to make Christianity in Jesus as him wanting to steal all your fun. He doesn't want to steal your fun. He wants to take away the counterfeits. The counterfeits leave you empty, disappointed, heartbroken. The counterfeits lead you astray. Hallelujah. Jesus is the authentic. Here's the last thing that, that, uh, that he values. God values faith. It says when Jesus died here in Cana of Galilee, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples, everyone believed in him. Why did he do this great miracle? Is so that they could believe. You see? Faith is what pleases God and faith is what blesses your life. Look at the, this is the main, the main two verses of the book of John are found in John chapter 20. Look at this. All right, if you want to know the the main verse of the whole book, verses of the whole book, it says this. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may, everyone, believe. That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have everyone life, life in his name. If you want real life, live by faith. He says I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. But how do you how do you have life to the full? You live by faith. You seek Jesus. You follow Jesus. You pursue Jesus. You let Jesus shape you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. You take the word of God in and you say shape me, God. Listen. When you believe, that's when you really If you're not believing, you can have all the money in the world. You can have the nicest furniture. You can have all the stuff. And in the end, it all ends up empty. But how many know, little is much when God is in it. When you believe. Hallelujah. When you live by faith. Listen. Some people hear God wants to give you the best life you could ever have. The best life that you could ever have is found in seeking Jesus. It's found in Jesus. It's not found in another person. It's not found in an experience. It's not found in a position. It's not found in anything else but Him. And and He's calling us to follow Him. Listen, one of the brothers, he's not at our church anymore. He's actually a, a, a chaplain, Pastor Day's brother, uh, Jonathan Stevens. He's out. He's in the Navy right now. But he wrote a song once. And part of the lines of the song said, I can't lose my way when I'm following the one I cannot see. You can't go wrong when you follow Jesus. All right? And you know what? You don't have to see him because you have him right here. He is the living word of God. God is calling us to live by faith. Put your faith in Jesus. Put your, you know, put your marriage in the hands of Jesus. Put your finances in the hands of Jesus. Put your emotions in the hands. Pursue God with everything. That's why I surrender all to you. You know, we don't plan. Like we don't try to say, okay. Choir, you sing this song because I'm preaching about this. We never do that. But I'm so blessed by how it lines up. I surrender all to you. I surrender all to you. God is calling us to faith. That's what he's doing today. He's saying, God, he's saying, my children, open up your heart. Follow my value system by faith. And watch the amazing things I'm going to do in you and through you. I want you to take the hand of someone next to you. God honors this moment. Yeah, come on, let's join hands. Let's be like a church family today. The Bible says my house shall be called a house of prayer. Here's what we're going to pray. We're going to pray that God would change our value system. And that we would live by faith because that's where the best life is. The best life is found in faith. Hallelujah. But it takes surrender. So come on, let's pray to the left and the right. God, help us to surrender. Help our brothers, help our sisters. God, there are men in this room that need to surrender, oh God. Help every man to surrender, oh God. Surrender to you, oh God. Surrender to your presence and power. Help women to surrender today. We invite you to change our value system. Change our marriages. Change our prayer life, oh God. Fill us with joy, oh God. Make us servants, oh Lord. We want to live by faith. Help us to live by faith in you, O oh God. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this day, Lord. We ask for grace to surrender, oh God. Help us by your mighty power. We wanna yield to the Holy Spirit. We wanna yield to your word. Help us to surrender, Lord. And God, we ask that you would change our value system we want to line up with the bible we want to line up with the word because you are the word when we line up with your word we line up with you when we line up with you we live by faith when we live by faith we experience life oh god the abundant life that is found in you lord jesus release your people to life oh god We want to leave here with the conviction that true life is founded following you, the exalted Christ. Bless every marriage. Bless every single person. Bless us, oh God. Bless us. Provide, oh God. I pray for miracles, oh God. You turn water into wine. Open up doors, oh God, for your people. Oh God, we pray for miraculous provision, oh God, for anyone that is lacking today. Release your people with joy unspeakable and full of glory today. Release us, oh God, into the abundant life. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Come on, greet one another before you go. God bless you. We hope to see you Tuesday.